Hi, this is Pastor Tom Alexander, and I'm excited you are joining us to listen to this week's sermon. To learn more about Amazing Grace Christian Church, visit us on the web at myagcc.org. Of course, if you aren't already a regular attender, we would love to have you join us. Well, we're going to start a new series today, and I'm going to start with this question. How good do you have to be to be saved? How good is it? How good do you have to be to earn your way to heaven? All right? Um, let me ask it another way. Are, are, are you, are, are you uh, understanding, do we understand that we serve a perfect God, a God who is holy, who is, uh, you know, unmovable, who is, who is so wonderful, so pure, and we people, who are we? We are not that. We are not pure. We're not holy. We're not those things on our own, are we? Okay? And so uh, the question is, how many good things do I have to do to make myself okay with a God who is perfect and holy and just? Are, are you a little nervous yet? I'm getting a little nervous here, right? Uh, not really, but, but if you're trying to think this out without knowing what's next, it can be kind of a, a, a disconcerting thing. Well, let me ask you another way. Are you tired of trying to be good enough? Anybody here tired of, of maybe trying to be good enough? Maybe somebody's here today and you say, you know what, I'm just done with trying. You know, I mean, I, I've tried to do enough to earn everybody's favor or to be good enough for that per other person in my life or my boss or uh, my kids or and, and I'm just tired of it I'm just tired of trying to be good enough and in fact I'm just I'm just giving up or maybe you're on the verge of giving up this morning trying trying harder trying harder and so if you're in any of those categories or if even if you know the good news all of us need it don't we we need the gospel. We need the good news. We need some good news. And that is why the letter of Romans was written, I think, as, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to the Romans. He's talking to people who need good news. And as far as I'm concerned, I look around a room, we need good news. And the world needs good news all around us. We all need good news. You know, this letter to Rome, to the Romans, it repeatedly changes the world. Martin Luther was... Uh, a priest in the, in the Catholic Church, and he was trying to earn his way to heaven. He's trying to do enough good things, and uh, he, gave, he, he finally realized he couldn't do it, and that's when he found, discovered the book of Romans. Augustine, earlier than that, about 400, uh, he discovered the gospel of Rome, or the, the, the Romans uh, as he was in the middle of uh, you know, wild living. I mean, he's just a guy that was off the charts morally, and he came to know the grace of God through the book of Romans. Romans was written in about A.D. 57, and it was written to a church that Paul had never visited. He wanted to go to the church in Rome, but he had never been there before. And so he wants then to share with them before he comes this good news, the gospel. So if you have your Bible, we're going to start right at the beginning in, in Romans chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1, let's pick it up there. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to this earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now Paul, he says he's a servant. He's under the authority of God. And he's called to be an apostle. He's one who is sent. 
That's, that's what the, the, the word apostle means. It's somebody who goes out and who shares, who's sent by, uh, by one who's in authority. And he's set apart. He, he's by the gospel. He's set apart to this particular thing in his life. To, uh, and so it, it's not a pursuit of wealth. It's not a pursuit of status or safety. What he's in pursuit of most is to share this good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the gospel of God. The word gospel is evangloi, okay? Uh, it's the word down there that I've got in the parentheses beside gospel. That's the Greek uh, transliteration into English. The U there, isn't that interesting? That English uh, and Greek, Greek, the Vs can be U's, okay? So that's kind of what they usually get translated over the U's to a V in English, okay? And so that's where we get our word evangelism. And angloi, it actually means a good herald. Now, in uh, the, the times of Jesus, uh, when a, 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 a powerful king would, would be successful in conquering an army, often he would set uh, in front of him heralds to go and to share the good news in the city that uh, he had conquered, uh, had, had come from. He was sending the, the heralds ahead to say, hey, we're victorious, we conquered. And then, and then he would come in with all of his armies and, and there would be a great celebration. And, and so, in fact, the gospel is good news that, that Jesus Christ has conquered. He has conquered death. He's conquered. He's made the way for us. It's good news. It's not advice to be followed. It's news. It's good news that's already been done for us. It's the good news of God. It's not Paul's good news. It's not my good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's not new. In verse 2, it says it, it's, the gospel was promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. In other words, all through the Old Testament, as we see the story of God working in the lives of very ordinary people throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, you read it again and again, you go, oh, how could those people do those crazy, wild things? They did it, and guess what? God still loved them. He still accepted them. Grace is not something that's new. It's something we've seen throughout the history of the story of God and his people. The gospel's content is his son. It's centered on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about our hopes and dreams and wishes. It's about Jesus. It's about what he has done for us. It's, it's the good news that Jesus Christ became fully human. He's God in the flesh. We, we, we know this, right? He's fulfilled the promises of Scripture. He descended from the king, David. He was a descendant of David, verse 3 there. And he was divine, verse 4. He was appointed. He was appointed as the Son, the Son of God in power. He died on a cross for our sins. And he proved his power by resurrecting from the dead. We've talked about that this whole last month, haven't we? About the power of the resurrection in our lives. And so this is good news that Jesus, the resurrection declares who Jesus is. And that word for appointed, it also, I think a better translation, you're going to hear me say that a few times this morning, but a better translation would be declared. He has declared his rightful place. He reigns over all. Hallelujah. I'm glad God's in charge and not me, right? Okay. Verse 5, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his name, his name's sake. And you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong in Christ Jesus. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this good news is a call to all Gentiles. Now who are the Gentiles? Well, 
most of us, right? If, you're, if you don't have an ethnic Jewish background, then you are a Gentile, according to uh, what's going on here. So all of us, the good news is we get to be part of this, okay? It's not just the Jewish people, but it's the Gentiles. It's all of us as well. And it's a call to what? It's a call to obedience. Obedience. Um, it's not that obedience, uh, it, it doesn't mean that to be saved that the Gentiles must do obedience, That's not the point of this. It's that obedience comes from our faith through his name's sake. In other words, because of our faith and because of the faithfulness of God, obedience overflows out of that faith. And so it's not a consequence of saving faith. It it, it, it is a consequence, excuse me, of saving faith. That uh, our, our obedience is something that happens because we are saved. Not to get saved, it's because we are saved by faith. It's not a second condition for salvation. It does mean that faith in our hearts, it brings obedience. It does. It brings obedience. Martin Luther had a, a famous quote. He said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that's saved is never alone. Okay? And so it's, it's just a great, great reason to remember that it's not what you do that saves you. Because remember what I said earlier? How many of you are good enough to be saved? How many of you were raising your hand then? Nobody here, right? You can't do a good, enough good things to be saved. It is by grace, it is by faith that we are saved. So we're going to talk a lot more about that as we go through the book of Romans. Well... He's, he's, he's writing to the people in Rome in verses 6 and 7. He says they're called to belong to Jesus Christ. They're loved by God. They're called to be his holy people, enjoying grace and peace. Let's keep on reading verse 8. First, Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, is preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Okay, so Paul is thankful, first of all. He's, he's thanking God for, uh, for all of the people that he's getting to write to that he's never met before, but, but he's grateful for them, and, it's, and their faith is being reported all over the world. So in other words, God's Holy Spirit has gone before. Uh, they've received this good news. They're doing, God's doing a good work in these people. And Paul says he prays for them. I love that. Do we pray enough for each other? I don't know. But we need to keep each other in our prayers, don't we? We need to pray for one another. And so Paul prays for them. And he wants to go to them. And, and, and he says, at last I'm praying that, that there may be an opportunity for me to come to you. Now, Paul had been trying to get to Rome. He'd been trying to get to Rome. And, and I don't know, maybe you've felt like there's some things that you've tried to do and tried to do. And it's just like there's robots that just come up. You're trying to do good things for God, but there's just roadblocks. Do you understand, again, God's, God's ways are beyond our ways. His thoughts beyond our thoughts. And his timing is not our timing. And so if you've been trying to do something for God, will you remember that God's in the middle of it, that God is with you, that, that he's got a, a way and a purpose, and, and it doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy. In fact, for Paul, the way to Rome was filled with a lot of difficulty. He was imprisoned before he got to Rome. He was shipwrecked before he got to Rome. You, I mean, I'm thinking if God wants me to do something, he's going to say, here's the money and here's the way and here's the instruction book and go for it and it's going to be smooth sailing. Is that how it works? Uh-uh. No. If you're on a mission for Jesus Christ, if you're on the mission of the gospel, there are going, there's, going to be, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be uh, obstacles to it because we do have an enemy. His name is Satan. And so you stay faithful. You stay faithful. Now, 
we see Paul's reason why for wanting to go to Rome. In verse 11, he says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you uh, and, and make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So part of obedience that comes from faith is having the humility to serve other people and be served by other people. Now, I, I just, I, I, I'm convinced of this, church, that our next step as a church, at all of us here, is to serve. I believe that God is calling every one of us to find a place to serve, to serve in his kingdom, to step up and say, here I am, use me. And, and you know, and, and I had a brother earlier today said, I want to be used by God. I'm just not sure yet what it is. Well, if you're there, guess what? You're not alone, okay? All of us wonder sometimes, what is it, God? And, and, and what is it that I'm, that I'm supposed to do? But don't get discouraged because, you know, the answer is not right there. You stay faithful. You continue to search. You, you try, sometimes we try things by experiment, and, and we, we work it out. But we need to serve. Now, Paul, his service was to encourage. He was going to encourage those people. And, you know, when we share our testimonies, I, I was telling this guy, you know, your, your testimony was encouraging to me today. And sometimes we just need to share our stories. But I love it because Paul's goal is not just to go to be an encouragement, but he wanted to be encouraged. He needed encouragement. Paul, the apostle Paul, needed encouragement. And how is he going to find it? Through being with his brothers and sisters. There are days, I'll have to be honest, on Friday, Saturday, I'm kind of dragging. I've had a long week, you know, and I, I'm kind of going through, the, and, and I'm kind of I'm frustrated. i got some things that's gone on. It's like, oh, man, this has just been a crazy week. And you know what I love? I love getting here on Sunday morning and getting to see you. Amen. I do. I, I get, you guys are an encouragement to me. I mean, when you walk through the door and you, and you make, you know, come to church, because I know, I know you've got a thousand million things that you could be doing instead of being here at church, right? I mean, you, you could be, you know, uh, doing, doing whatever, playing ball, doing things, uh, staying at home and, you know, suffering the consequences of the hockey game from last night, you know, just, just grieving, you know, the law. Well, you could be a lot of different places, but where are you? You're here, you want to worship God, you want to get to know him better, and you're here to serve. You're here to encourage one another. You're here to say, hey, I'm here, I'm part of the team, I want to be used. And so we need to encourage one another, right? And Paul, he says that I, I may, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And so, faith. so don't, don't uh, stop getting together. And I said faith, but we could be mutually encouraged by each other's face, right? I almost said that, right? Face. Yeah, right? Sometimes we just need to see each other. To be encouraged. A smile is encouraging. All right. Another reason why is the harvest. Look at verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. See, the gospel, when we share this good news, it brings a harvest. A harvest within the church, a harvest outside the church. Church is not just a building, it's people. And so uh, we need to share this good news with those outside of our, our walls. The next part is really interesting. Paul is obligated, verse 14. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now who's he obligated to? He's obligated to wise and unwise, to foolish, to the educated, to the uneducated, everyone. Now, I put a $100 bill up here because I, I thought about bringing a $100 bill this morning, 
and holding it up. I, I, I have a stash there at home. I couldn't find them. I don't know where they were. So I just, you know, I just, I just decided to put one up here on the, on the uh, you know, the, the bill. But uh, anyway, uh, this $100 bill. Now, now if, if you loan me a $100 bill and I was to pay you back, I would be obligated to you to pay it back, right? Well, that would be an obligation, okay? And you'd probably want some interest, you know, just because. I mean, that's usually what, what happens. Now, um, what if, though, you gave me a $100 bill and you said to give it to Fred, okay? Now, I'm obligated to you until I give it to Fred, right? I'm obligated, okay? And so until I give that away to Fred, then, then I haven't fulfilled my obligation. And that's the way that Paul was obligated, is that second way. Because Paul had been given the gospel, the good news, and he was obligated to share it with people that he had never even seen before. He had an obligation to them. And see, we have an obligation because God has given us this great grace, and we need to share that grace. We owe it to the world because Jesus has given it to us to pass along. Well, Paul's motive is love. It's love for God and for God's people. Everyone needs to hear this gospel. And in verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, what is shame? Shame is when we don't live up to some expectation. Some of us here grew up, and maybe we're still wrestling with this idea that we're not living up to some expectation that we need to live up to. We, we, we understand God's sovereignty. We understand how good God is, and we feel like we've never really been good enough to please God. Some of us here this morning have struggled with this idea of being good enough. Some of us have struggled with this idea that we need to do more in order to please God, that we need to be something more than we are. But the question here this morning is, how good is good enough? Is it Mother Teresa good enough? Right, is, is, that, is that what we're after? Is it Billy Graham good enough? You know, do you have to you know, fill up stadiums of people hearing the gospel? Is that what it takes? Is it your grandma full of faith good enough? I got a grandma like that. I'm like, ooh, I can't be like grandma. She, she was really good. And we might feel shame. We might feel shame about the gospel because we feel like spiritual failures. We realize that we can't be good enough on our own. We compare ourselves to others. We, we keep on sinning. We, we, we have this sin that's, that's been going on in our life, and it, we just can't kick it. And we, we feel like, man, I just, I just feel so ashamed. I feel so ashamed. We, we might feel ashamed that Jesus had to die for us. Maybe there's this idea that, you know, I, I'm, I ought to be a good enough person. Uh, they're, they're called moralists, religiously proud, who think that, well, I, I ought to be able to do enough good things to make myself right with God. And, and, and there's people that get delusions of grandeur thinking that they can, they can actually do enough to please the holiness of God. That, that, I mean, and, and the problem is our hearts are sinful and we, we, we stray. Or, or, you know, the, the, the gospel, we may feel shame about it because it's saying that we're not saved by being good people. You know, being a good person is not the criteria for going to heaven. And that's offensive for our world, isn't it? Because our world thinks, well, if you just do enough good things and kind of like the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff, then, then you're going to go to heaven. And, and that's not at all what 
what is true, about what's revealed in God's word. And so it's offensive to the modern sensibilities to say that, you no, know, you have to admit that you're a sinful person, that you need saved by the grace of God, that you're not a good person. And then Jesus suffered and, and he served. And, and when we're going to really, uh, you know, talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it means that there is obedience and, and that obedience will cause suffering in our life. It's going to call, it's going to be serving. It's going to be laying down our agendas for the agenda of the gospel. And, and that, that is, uh, sometimes we may feel shame because of that. See, the good news about Jesus is offensive to people who think they can do it on their own. And Paul says, I am not ashamed because... Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The message of the gospel is that Jesus has done it and he will do it for us, past, present, and future. He doesn't say that it brings power. He says that the gospel is power. The Romans understood power. Theodoret, a, Theodoret, a Syrian bishop of the 5th century, he compared the gospel to a pepper. Now, you know what I mean by a pepper, right? One of those hot things that you eat. And he said, a pepper outwardly seems to be cold, but the person who crunches it between the teeth experiences a sensation of a burning fire. Anybody here ever took one of those dares? You know, right? Go ahead. Eat it. Eat it, right? And then you bite into it and you go, ah! The alarms are going off. It's like, whoa, this thing's hot. You know, and you look at it on the outside, and, but until you take a bite of it, you don't know the power in that pepper, right? And see, and that's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we don't understand the power of the good news, that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. That there's nothing we can do to merit the goodness of God. That it's all been done for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. By his stripes we are healed. And when we receive that gospel, when we receive that good news... That there's nothing we can do to be good enough, but, it's, but Jesus Christ has been good enough for us. And that out of that salvation that we now can live, when we get a taste of that, when you bite into that, it's power. It's powerful in your life. Because then you stop living out of shame. You stop living out of guilt. You stop you know, trying to please God and, th- you know, and, and being good enough. And you receive grace and you live as a grace filled person. There's wellness, there's wholeness that's now and forever. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. There is no other power on earth that changes hearts, minds, life direction, everything about us than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's one requirement And that requirement is belief. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, belief is a mental assent, yes. It's saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That's what belief is. But belief goes beyond that to trust, to trusting that that is enough, to to trusting Christ for our our, our, our salvation. And the good news of Jesus, it's not exclusive. It's for everyone. It's very inclusive. As he said, it's first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's for every race, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every, everybody receives, gets, gets to have this, this power of the gospel if we receive it. 
But there's one requirement. We got, there's a limit. There is a limit to the gospel's power in someone's life, and that is receiving it, receiving the good news. It's hard for every, it, 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 it's for everyone who believes, but, but we've got to get it. We've got to receive it into our lives, and it's something we have to receive, I think, not just once, but every day of our lives in order to live in the power of the gospel. Faith, we are saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It's a righteousness of God. But again, I'm going to say it again. I think there's a better translation here. It's a righteousness from God. See, if you think about the gospel as a righteousness of God, then you go, oh, well, God is righteous. Yeah, he's holy and just, and he never, he never sins. He's, he's always perfect. He, I mean, his standards, are, are his ways are, are perfect. And guess what? Okay, I, I know the righteousness of God, but that condemns me because I'm not that. But see, no, the gospel is the righteousness from God. It's the righteousness from God that is given to you in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? And so when you receive this righteousness from God, when you realize, and we're going to talk a lot more about this as we go through the book of Romans, but it's, 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 you are justified by his grace, by, by faith, by putting your trust in him. And so righteous, righteousness, you're going, to write, you're going to live by this faith. It's a righteousness from God. It's the gift of the gospel. And it's a righteousness that is by faith from first till last. And again, there's an English uh, standard version. It says, from faith for faith. In other words, it's not that you have to you know, keep on doing good things to you know, sustain this faith. That's not the point. The point is it's from faith and it's for faith. When you receive this gospel and receive this good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you, then it gives you faith. It gives you the ability to keep on living for God. The power is of God and not use. Amen? See, when we, when we start thinking it's my power that saves me, but when you receive the power of God, that saves you. Wow. And you live out of that power. Wow. From faith for faith. John Stott says it this way. God's faithfulness to his promises and in the life and death of Jesus Christ always comes first and ours is never other than a response. We just have to respond to this good news. Forgiveness from death. And it's not only that we're taken off a death row, but it's kind of like uh, we're, we're given this, this medal of honor. We're, we're given uh, a place at the seat of God. We're, we're, we're declared to be sons and daughters of the living God. And, and you, you, are, you are given power that's, that's beyond any power on earth. It's the power of God in your life. The righteous will live by faith, Habakkuk 2.4. Now, how do we not live by faith? Well, you know, it could be that you say, oh, I don't need to be saved. There's a lot of people out there. I don't need religion. I don't need God. I'm a good enough person, and they're missing it. They're missing the fact that there's wrath of God. We're going to talk more about that next week. Okay? All of us need saved from our sin. All of us need saved from the wrath of God. We're going to talk about that next week. But second, self-righteous faith that says, hey, I'm good enough. I'm a religious person, and I can be good enough to be saved by my own merits. And we just don't understand the standard that we have to live to be saved in your own. Have you ever fallen short? Have you ever sinned? If you have, then you're guilty. Of one, just one, one little spot, you're guilty of the whole thing. Okay? And so we need this grace. We need this grace. We need the gospel. Jesus has done it. And so how good enough is good enough? Well, you can't be good enough. Is that good news? It is if you receive 
the grace of God. If you understand that, yeah, you can't be good enough, but Jesus was good enough for you in your place. Hallelujah. Isn't that great news, church? That's the gospel. And it's the gospel that we need to continue to repeat to ourselves every day. Because, guys, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's called the accuser. And every day he's going to get up and as much as he can, he's going to whisper in your ear, you're worthless. You're selfless. Look what you just did yesterday. Look what you're thinking now. Oh, look at, oh, look how bad you are. Look how terrible. And you know what? You go, yeah, you're right. I'm all those things. But Jesus Christ saved me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm saved by the grace of God. And now I want to please that God who saved me. And see, that's the motive for obedience. And, and when we are saved, yes, we are. There's, you're going to see fruit. You're going to see fruit out of a church that understands the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's going to be power. There's going to be ministry. There's going to be love. There's going to be joy. There's going to be excitement as we get together because we know this gospel. We need to preach it every day. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I, I just pray that today that we would receive this gospel. And yeah, Lord, we're going to talk about baptism later. We're going to talk about um, lots of different uh, aspects of, of this, this whole plan that you have for us. But today, Father, I, I pray. I pray that we would hear again that the gospel is good news, that it's for us. Lord, may you bring your encouragement to this place. Lord, where there is discouragement today, would we be reminded that when there's an accusation by the enemy of the sin that we've committed this week and how we're not even worthy to be here, may we, when we, may we go, you know what? I'm not worthy, but God is worthy. Hallelujah. And he has said that I'm worthy. And he's declared his worthiness over me by the grace of God. And Lord, I, I pray that we would have a burning inside of us to have an obligation to share this gospel, this good news with others. And sometimes I just think we've met, we don't understand it, and so we're, we're ashamed to share it with others when if we really grasp this good news, oh, we're going to want to share it with everybody. We're going to understand the obligation. It's not just $100 that we're giving away. It's eternal life. It's life abundant, full, and free now that we're giving away. Lord, may we not be ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that needs to receive it today, Lord, would this be the day that say yes? They'd stop trying so hard and they'd say yes to the gospel, the good news that we are saved by the grace of your son. So, Father, do your Holy Spirit work in these next few moments in our lives. In Jesus' name.